Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Welcome to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this, eh, we'll call it occasional during the offseason, podcast is your official source for lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is January 9th, 2016, and this is episode 186. My name, as I am still under contract, is Jake English. We are going to dispense with the usual pleasantries and get right down to brass tacks. We have a great show for you here in episode 186. We're going to discuss the recent flurry, if you can call it that, of activity in the Orioles offseason with Alan Smith of the Baltimoreans podcast. But before going there, we're going to revisit the ongoing negotiations with former co-host Scott Magnus. As you know, Scott declared his entrance into free agency at the end of last season, and our two sides have yet to get close enough to strike a deal. Uh, we've interviewed other co-hosts, and Scott has made overtures to other shows, the offseason is getting shorter, and I'm not going to sugarcoat this. We're starting to get a little nervous here at SD Studios. Last show, I took a page from the Orioles book and explored the Korean market for podcasting talent. This week, I'm going to try another tried and true Orioles strategy. So I've asked Scott back to the studio to see if we can hammer out a deal. Scott Magnus, welcome back. Jake, um... Thanks for welcoming me into 2016 as opposed to 2017, you know, minor caveat. You know, I've yet to do that at work, and here I do it on the podcast. On the internet. All right, so you've had um, minus one year to think about it at this point, (laughs) to uh, think about all the demands that I listed since the last time, well, I guess in the future, whatever it may be, Um, but we are still nowhere closer to this negotiation. So uh, what do you have for me at this time to entice me to come back to this... um, well, this shell of existence, which is a podcast. All right. So I'm thinking, hear me out here. You come back for another five-year deal, double your compensation from the last contract. Ooh. And what else? Um, and I throw in <clears throat> a really nice uh, bottle of gin. Jake, I know your taste of gin. Um, it's going to have to be something much more than that. All right. And... Um, a new graphing calculator. And, and hey, uh, before you have time to think about it, let me throw this out there. You thought the last offer was pretty good. Uh, double the compensation, the gin, the calculator. How about, um, oh, a stopwatch to keep my shtick for under three minutes. And, oh, I'm sorry. Did I say double compensation? Uh, triple. Triple compensation. So let me get this straight. If I keep quiet over here, you'll just keep sweetening the deal despite the fact that no one else is bidding against you. That That is correct. Hmm. Um, okay, let's table this for now since it's uh, we're both here. Um, and, um, it's obviously, I'm just getting better offers as time progresses. Um, why don't we just head right into the week on the Twitters and see, um, where this progresses into this week on the Twitters, Orioles, um, happenings in 140 characters or fewer. We're going to start with a uh, tweet from MLB trade rumors. They tweet at MLB trade rumors. The Orioles could be moving on for Mark Trumbo uh, with the article linked. Look, we're going to get into this in a little bit, but, uh, this sounds 
a little familiar. Yeah. The hullabaloo, um, I guess, over the past few days has been um, about opinions. And, of course, it's that time of the year where Hall of Fame votes are starting to come out, and everyone is up on, well, an old man yelling on his lawn. This tweet comes from— Old man yells at cloud. Yeah. Uh, this tweet comes from Hardball Talk. At Hardball Talk, Murray Chass intentionally turned in a blank Hall of Fame ballot. This was the complete uproar of uh, baseball internet today. In fact, uh, Murray Chass came on to MLB Network Radio today at 3 o'clock um, and had an interview and basically told um, MLB Network Radio that none of the candidates were good enough to be on my ballot, so why would I vote for them? Which just raises the question, I guess Murray Chass is going to be turning in blank ballots for years upon years upon years to come. Look, everybody's entitled to an opinion, but it seems like he has a disproportionate number of stupid opinions. Yeah. All right, next, I want to go to a tweet from uh, Rock Kabako, who tweets at Mass and Rock. Buck said that for now, he does not envision Trey Mancini playing the outfields. Uh, hashtag Orioles. Here's the thing. That didn't stop him for Nelson Cruz or Mark Trumbo. Right? Yeah, that, that's true. If, if his bat plays at the major league level... I mean, they'll put him behind the plate if they have to. Let's be a little bit more clarifying, not even from last year, but Delman Young played right field for a few games. Yeah. Ryan Flaherty played right field for a few games. Yeah. Ugliness abounds. If you can hey, hit, you must acquit. I'm about to say, the Orioles have a great outfield defense, according to Masson. Yeah. All right, Jake, I know this is something that you enjoy. Guys in shorts. Love it. So Matt Taylor who post at Roar from 34. Let's all gaze at baseball diamonds and Buck Show Walter, shall we? Check out some hashtag Orioles minicamp photo. So if you want to check out some boys in shorts or some men in shorts, head on over to RoarFrom34.com and, well, get your perks on. Look, 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 look. Matt is a fantastic writer, and his site is so much more than that. But hey, this post gives you eye candy in the form of you can look at baseball players in running shorts which is closer than you were last week to a baseball being a real thing. Everybody wins. Yeah. Everybody wins. All right, Scotty, we're, we're looking ahead. We're looking back. I don't even know what day it is or year, year it, it is. is. Yep. But uh, I think if we're going to look back and look ahead, we have to start at the beginning in a very Princess Bride kind of way. I want to go back to a good friend of the program who's been with us since the beginning. Let's get stupid. Smith joins us, and when we say friend of the program, we cannot stress this enough. Alan has attended games with us. He's stayed at my house. We've broken bread. We've guzzled beers together. Alan is a true friend. He and Sam were the very first guests on Bird's Eye View, and in addition to being uh, a lovely guy and a brilliant mind in the political sphere, he knows a thing or two about a thing or two related to the Orioles. Alan Smith, welcome back to Bird's Eye View. Thank you, gentlemen. It is good to be here. I think your uh, level of distance is correct. I know a thing or two about knowing a thing or two 
but only in the sort of like meta double analysis level. Yeah, that's about as as close as we're comfortable with yes, here. Totally agree. <laughs> now, Alan, let's get serious here. Wipe the grin off your face. Oh. Because we oh. welcome you back to this show in difficult times. These very difficult times. These it is sometimes said are the times that try men's souls. We stand here at the crossroads of time. Great change, whether we like it or not, stands before us. We are losing a proven leader, one that many of us have waited for for a long time. And he's being replaced by someone who, well, frankly, we're not even sure can do the job. So before talking about the future, let's look back to the previous administration. And I'm going to ask you straight up, Alan, what are you going to miss most about Matt Wieters? Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Well, see, I, I was I was worried that, that was going to be a, a a setup for Giardo, so I actually feel very relieved. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, uh, I I I think it's time to say goodbye to Matt Wieters. Um, I think that the 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 reality is that we have spent a lot of time in Orioles Nation feeling. Um, putting a lot of our hopes and dreams in the person of one Matthew Wieters, and he's never quite been able to carry that burden. Are, are um, you telling me that the Matt Wieters fax shirts were not factually accurate? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, facts are facts. In this post-truth world, I don't think we can really say one way or the other that any any anything is true or not true. But from an emotional perspective, uh, I no longer feel like I can really get as excited as I have been about 240, a lot of strikeouts, and kind of, I mean, you know. I mean, Alan, I. What, I, I an you, average of 30 games on the shelf a year? Alan, you need to get past the numbers. I want you to look deep into the heart of Matt Wieters and just look and say, what do I really feel about Matt Wieters? Forget what's coming out, you know, of his mouth or, you know, what's coming out of his bat or his glove. In his heart, how do you feel, though, about him as a person? I think if you look deep into Matt Wieter's heart and deep in his soul, you get essentially cornbread. <laughs> All right. I'm not supposed to like, do this. Just, it's, it's bland. There's nothing wrong with it. It's good. It, it, it rounds out a meal. But it isn't spicy. It isn't interesting. There's no salsa involved. It's just cornbread, man. It's cornbread. Take it or leave it. All right, I'm not supposed to do this because Scotty wants me to look at numbers more often, but I'm going to have a feels conversation here. All right, okay. this is a feels conversation. Okay. Good thing I'm still in negotiations <laughs> here. <laughs> Whether or not this is bared out by facts, and again, this is right. a post-fact world. Um, doesn't it feel like Matt Wieters was the guy that hit the clutch home run? Doesn't it feel like Matt Wieters more often than any other guy? was the ninth inning or or late inning or extra inning home run that sent us home happy. Can you name another instance besides no. in 2016 when that actually happened? Yes, absolutely. When? He's I, always the mass in interview. Go ahead, Alan. I I just feel like Weeders is always the guy who I feel like, oh, he tacks on the, the, the third, like the single home run when we're up by three. Yeah. See, I, I will. I, I will like, always. Rem- I feel like his home runs always make me be like, "Oh, that's that's nice." But couldn't you have saved that for like when we needed it? Yeah, on another day or something. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna have to go back and look it up, Scott. But I feel 
like he ended a lot of games. Like you know the 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 ball that he hit into uh, into the flag court up and around his eyes. I I will have a lot of fond memories of Matt Weeters when I look back on the Matt Weeters era, but uh, he gone. Yeah. Time to go. Well, catching has been solved yeah. as you are I- inferring, Jake, by the Orioles bringing in Wellington Castillo, which again is just so fun. Beef. Look, you know, we can call him Beef, but I think you know a nickname audit is probably going to be necessary eventually. Alan, I, I got this one. I got this one. I'm all over this. I'm so excited. It's not a nickname, but when he strikes out or he fails to produce in a clutch situation, we all need to scream in unison at the ballpark, where's the beef? <laughs> That's clear. <laughs> or you could just go vegan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really hoping that the Orioles offense doesn't go vegan this yeah. year. <laughs> I know that uh, your boy Wellington is a little bit defensively deficient, but I hear he's supposed to be pretty good at hitting the ball, right? Like, I don't really understand even why Arizona let him walk. Uh, because his framing metrics are absolutely horrible. Um, he's pretty much at the bottom mm. of the entire league in terms of framing metrics. Um, I, I, he might be even worse than Matt Wieters um, based off of certain framing uh, metrics by like baseball prospectus. And if you look at his... But we, we've already been dealing with like a bottom three guy in that, right? Um, I wouldn't say he's probably... I don't know if Matt Wieters is bottom three. He's definitely probably... Uh, bottom quartile or in the 25 percent quartile but uh, i wouldn't say that he's bottom three alan you think he's the worst catcher alive because of orioles twitter um (laughs) you you talk you you talk about wellington castillo's offensive production if you look at his last three seasons as far as weighted runs created plus is concerned numbers and that's a nice little weighted uh statistic 100 is about average his last three years uh 2016 with the diamondbacks he was at a 92 uh, in 2015, in which he appeared with three teams, he he had a weight runs created plus of 98. In 2014, uh, it was back to 93. And it really isn't until you get back to 2012, 2011, uh, that he was posting stats that are above the average um, offensively. So I, I wonder if this is one of those deals where, you know, usually with a catcher, you're either getting a lot out of the bat, so you're willing to overlook the glove, or you're getting a whole lot of gloves, so you're willing to overlook the bat. Um, maybe he just hits dingers and people think he's good. I, I don't know. I haven't seen him yet. Oh, his name's Mark Trumbo. Gotcha. <laughs> well, I mean, let's be honest with ourselves here. The person who is catching behind the plate is kind of going to be deck chairs on the titanic unless we find people to throw the ball and i i don't know i don't know if if, if you guys are are feeling like a full season of dylan bundy and i don't know uh ubaldo suddenly regaining 2006 form but i feel like we're just kind of running it back we're just kind of doing again exactly what we did last year which was Add a few people, hope that one of them one of them turns into be Nelson Cruz or and or Mark Trumbo, and just like trying again. I, I don't I, really think that Wellington makes much of a difference either way. So I'm I'm really glad you brought that up. It's it's almost as if we had shared with you our show notes, which we haven't. But you just segued perfectly <laughs> into the next topic. I wanted to talk a little bit about the Gallardo for Smith conversation. And let's hone in a little bit on the rotation. I think that you've correctly identified that this rotation looks a lot like last year's rotation in the fact that, you know, the Orioles are going to be an 85-win club 
And then if they can eke out a few extra wins here and there, they're going to be in the wild card race. And it's basically on the back of can the rotation be average or will they be even more deficient than that? Because an average rotation is something that the club can save their way through the bullpen or, or slug their way out of. But really, the question becomes, can you depend on Abaldo Jimenez and a full season of Dylan Bundy and Wade Miley not exploding and making me want to fire him into the sun long enough to uh, augment what we, what we might get on a good day from Gosman and Tillman? That sounds like a classic mm. Orioles rotation for the past like five years. It's it's the yeah. model. I mean, this is nothing new. I I, th- I think you're you're absolutely right. It just, boy, howdy, it doesn't feel very good to say that from the beginning, does it? Yeah, I, I, I it feels it feels a little bit like the last few years, Dan at all have been looking at this team and seeing something that I haven't, <laughs> because it feels like he feels. Like we just need a few tinkers around the edges, and this team is a is a contender. And when you look at, I mean, the Red Sox, when you look at other teams' pitching rotations, and in and in, in we look at sort of like the terrifying things that it looks like the Indians are going to be up to this year with Encarnacion. Like, I, I don't see. Uh, the decisions that Duquette is making as as bringing any kind of actual weight to the situation. Now, I, I'm pro Smith. I like I like Seth Smith for this team, not only because he's a, a brother of a different mother, but also it would be good to have somebody who can hit righties and <laughs> does a little bit of balancing out of the lineup. And God knows, firing Giardo into the sun couldn't happen soon enough. But it it just doesn't feel like any of these deals are enough that I feel like oh this is a this is a substantially better team that gives me something to be excited about. I guess I guess I am still enough of an optimist to believe like yeah full year of Bundy this is going to be exciting like Gossman can continue to improve. But man, <laughs> it does it does feel like our our entire theory is give those guys enough time and eventually they're going to be the equivalent of the Cubs or the Dodgers. And I don't know that that's necessarily the case. Yeah. Oh, your, your optimism is adorable. Yeah. The one thing I want to come back to <laughs> and talk about was, uh, I, I guess it's, um, players or, or teams that have basically, um, are against left-handed pitching. So Seth Smith was brought in, does great against right-handed pitching. But against left-handed pitching, um, the Orioles um, were uh, – how do I put this? They were absolutely horrible uh, last year against uh, left-handed pitchers. Um, they suffered when Rickard went down. Yeah. They're, but even with Rickard <laughs> up there, uh, and you include everybody else that's on there, like a right-handed batter like Jones and Machado and Trumbo, the Orioles were ranked 27th last year against left-handed pitching with an 83-weighted runs created plus. Um, they were lumped right between the Athletics – and the Braves against left-handed pitching. Oof. So, oh, good. <laughs> yeah, so you look at the left-handed pitching, and I posted this on Twitter, um, and you've got a team like the Red Sox that are going to be putting out there David Price and Chris Sale, who are left-handed pitching starters, um, and you just think to yourself, well, you're going to be playing 18 games against the Red Sox. That doesn't 
bode well for going against you know some really good left-handed pitchers. It's a classic response from you, Scott. Uh, it really is a classic response from me. And I mean, I just can't wait for you know the Tampa Bay Rays to sign Brian Mattis to a starter deal too. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I I mean that would be yeah the the, the rebirth of Brian Mattis is really going to be that and Manny going to the Yankees. And I'm, stop it. I, those are the two things that I'm excited for. So I can just really stop caring about baseball altogether. I will hang up on you right now, Alan Smith. All those nice things I said about you, I take them all back. Baseball or life? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, do, do you... no, but look, here's the, here's the very real thing. The Orioles, this Orioles team has a window, and that window is, is I think, closing. The, the, the Adam Jones as a productive leader of this team, the uh, seeming unwillingness as of right now to do anything about Manny Machado, I, I, it doesn't seem like, like you know, th- this is a year where I, I sort of wish we had done a crazy deal to get Chris Sale, even though I realized that we had absolutely had to give up to do such a thing, because it feels like this would be a good time to, to, to take a plunge and to make some sort of like big all-in move before, you know, what, what currently feels like a window closes. Well, it's a good thing that you said that because um, if we're going to go all in, one of those players that could be an all in player would be a Mark Trumbo kind of player who, again, mm-hmm. you know, does he offer a skill set? Yes, he offers you a skill set potentially as a first baseman slash DH. And right now, I think it's probably as a DH for the Orioles. So what is the right year slash dollars to bring Mark Trumbo back to the Orioles to make some positive impact for this team? Oof. I, I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I would be interested to hear what you all have to say about that because my instinct is I don't really want to pay Mark Trumbo what I think Mark Trumbo is going to be demanding. I, I don't know what the right number is, but I feel like it's much lower than the actual number. And I feel like having watched this team last year, I mean, Mark Trumbo is not going to do again what he did this year. No. And if he's not going to do again what he did this year, then he's going to be a poor man's Chris Davis and who who in, in himself strike out plenty for us. Yeah, Chris Davis is in himself a poor man's Chris Davis. Um the Orioles are right. cash <laughs> the Orioles are cash strapped. So I ask you, uh will Mark Trumbo take beads and blankets in exchange for his his wares as a baseball player? Okay, let me just pitch something to you. Hold let on. me just let me just float it. He's and I know it. I know this also might get me hung up on. But if he's available and it's a one-year deal, and it doesn't appear to be for that much money. Are we, as Orioles Nation, anywhere close to being okay with Joey Bats? Well, you know what, Alan Smith? It is funny you should mention that. Um, how about we do this? How about we quick take a quick interlude from this interview since we've been talking for uh, quite some time now, and let's play some music for you to kind of give some consideration to that thought. Oh, God. In a Jimmy John's, just the other side of the border. Dan Duquette was in search for a bat for the middle of the order. So he started dialing away. He placed a call to Batman Jose. And he knew, yes, he knew he should stop. But I heard him say, Come a little bit closer, you're my kind of bat 
big and so strong. Come a little bit closer. You're all I can get this off-season so long. So they started to talk, but would Baltimore be inviting? And Dan tried to insist that he could desist clubhouse fighting. Then I heard Jose's agent say, Vamos, the press is on the way. And Dan knew, yes, he knew he should run. But I heard him say, Come a little bit closer, you're my kind of bat. So big and so strong, come a little bit closer. You're all I can get this off-season so long. You know, we've had several conversations with Jose Batista's agent, and I basically told the agent in one of my discussions with him, you know, our, our fans don't really like Jose Batista, and uh, we're not going to proceed making an offer. Negotiations stopped, Dan realized his offer was empty. And I heard Jose say, man, you know there'd be trouble plenty. So Dan dropped the sub from his hand Back to the warehouse he ran And as Dan ran away I could hear him say to Jose Come a little bit closer, you're my kind of bat So big and so strong Come a little bit closer You're all I can get And this off season's long So Alan so Alan Smith, how do you respond to what do you think about Joey Bats uh going for coming on to the Baltimore Orioles at this time um as the bad man who he is? I will answer that question, but first, I feel uh, that a few things need to be said about that amazing <laughs> musical number that we just all heard. First of all, uh, as, a, as, as someone who has, over, over the years, attempted a few different Baltimore Orioles themed covers, I think it's patently unfair that Jake gets to do this being able to actually sing. <laughs> that seems like a violation in my understanding of all the rules of engagement. And I would appreciate that song much more if it was Scott doing it. (laughs) Secondly, (laughs) the the, the lyrics are fantastic, but I, I, I wasn't exactly sure. Are we, is, is is the song hinting at the, uh, the, the romance being between bats and Duquette? Because we do know, don't we, that that was one of the reasons why Dan Duquette was so excited to go be the general manager of the the Blue Jays. Well, that's all that Jamba Juice that uh, Joey Bats had back in the day. But yeah, the the entire aspect of the audio is uh, there's definitely a love infatuation between the two um, in in terms of, uh, I guess, Bat Jose's... uh, uh, bat prowess is the can, best way to run it. Can we call him Bat Jose? <laughs> I think is we that call, something we can do from now on? Uh, can we? If I had the <laughs> bell here, okay. I'd go ding. Yep, that's okay. Bat Jose is his name going forward. Everybody, <laughs> we shall call him Batman Jose. <laughs> Batman Jose. I, 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 I think he's my least favorite player in baseball. This is the thing. Jose Bautista got hit in the face, which is a horrible thing. 
It is a horrible, horrible thing. There is no place for that in baseball. And yet, after it happened, everyone, everyone was... said, there's no place for that in baseball. But, but he had it coming to him. <laughs> but it's Jose Bautista, so that's okay. So, so no, yeah, I, I, I mean, think he fits the profile for the type of player that would fill the gap that a, a, a departure of Mark Trumbo would leave. No way. They, from a number standpoint, it yeah. makes complete sense to bring him in and say, yep, he is going to be a great fit from a number standpoint. But from a clubhouse and an interaction standpoint, I can't see any way it happens. It makes no sense. And as much as people are always about, you know, sabermetrics and this, sabermetricians will look at it and also say, how will this have an impact on the team? And that's just one I can't think that they're going to be like, yep, this makes like a good amount of sense. We should be doing it. Alan, I, yeah, and you know, it's like I know, I know we root for the laundry, and I know like everyone always says, you know, uh, you hate the guy until he's on your team, and then you love him, and and the people, Jays fans, defend to the quick his passion for the game and his you know home runs in big spots and all that sort of gobbledygook. But I I don't think that the Orioles fans will accept it. Like no. I, I, I think he'll. I, I, w- I honestly think he would be booed on opening day. <laughs> <laughs> that that might be worth doing it just for that, right? You know, we all had to, <laughs> we all had to pinch our noses and take our medicine with Delman Young. That was a bad look. Delman Young was a bad dude. That was bad, right? Yeah. And and yeah. he and he hit the biggest hit of my Oriole fandom lifetime. Yeah, biggest hit probably ever at Camden yep. Yards. And we have to live yep. with that. Right, we have to live with the fact yeah. that the the still shot is Delman Young looking kind of confused and emotionally torn because he just hit a huge double <laughs> off his former team yeah. because he's a mercenary and not really part of the 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 club. To this day, I still have to pay my valet double just so I don't feel so bad. Okay, and, and <laughs> can you imagine if you know the team were to to pinch its nose and sign Jose Bautista and he did something of value that you had to laud in a you know historical franchise i i can't you'd, I can't you'd have to that. like smile to like almost like a wet stinky fart basically no. i mean so no no one really wants to do that um no so it really comes down to if it's not worth it yeah it's it's like saying that you wish the best luck to a political candidate that you didn't vote for. Yeah, it's like, we're going to disown this candidate, <laughs> and we're not going to support him, and then he somehow wins, and then you're just like, you know what, we're going to rally behind him because he's our new man. But anyway, we don't know anything about that. So let's talk about the outfield, <laughs> um, and, and we'll move on from that. So we've got Jones, Hunsu Kim, Joy Ricker, and Seth Smith now, and we've got a bunch of Rule 5 guys that no one knows absolutely anything about so alan smith i ask you if and dario alvarez and dario alvarez and moving on past dario alvarez oh i mean we also have henry Uria too but uh yeah i mean if it's not trumbo is it another outfielder that's still out in the market um i know that angel Pagan has been mentioned as a one name michael saunders has been mentioned as another name do you think the orioles need to go out and get another outfielder or do you think the Orioles just need to go out and get a DH um, and just say it's either going to be Trumbo or potentially like a Pedro Alvarez? Uh, to quote my good friend Sam Dingman, I think the answer to this question is, who pitching? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that this is all, this is all very nice, but... Uh, okay. Uh, honestly, honestly, I, uh, do, we, we're pretty sure that Seth Smith means no Jay Bruce, right? 
Um, no, I think that Jay Bruce is definitely a possibility still. I think the I feel uh, like Jay Bruce could be a another person in the outfielder mix and a decent DH and sort of like a bat around town, but I don't know what he's worth and I don't know what we'd have to give up to get him. See, I think the level of coinage in Scrooge McDuck's vault right now means no Jay Bruce. Oh, I, I don't think Jay Bruce is going to ah. be that much. It's only what eight million dollars, I think, off the top of my head, which is not that bad. I mean, you you paid what six million dollars last year for Pedro Alvarez, so I don't think you're really talking about a lot of money there. Um, I just think it comes back to what Alan is referring to: is who do you have to give up in order to uh, get him? Is the big question, and I don't know if there's yeah. anything in that cupboard. Because Brock's not an option. I mean, that's that's completely off the table. I mean, if it was Brock for Granderson, I might give it consideration. But Brock for Jay Bruce is absolutely absurd. Um, but I don't know if there's anybody else that the Orioles could really give away to get Jay Bruce. Because um, Givens is yeah. untouchable. Um, so I don't know. I mean, could a, like a Mike Wright or a Tyler Wilson be enough? I doubt it. But, you know... Maybe one of those compensatory picks comes up again with the Orioles and they say, hey, we want to get rid of this. But I, I don't see the the right compensation for the Mets. I, I think Jay Bruce is probably a, a decent one, though, um, that you bring up um, a, as an option in trade. So, Jake, go ahead. I mean, I actually – Mike. we know Michael Saunders hits the hell out the ball at Camden Yards, right? Because he's basically like – Oriole killer one. Yeah, but he, he, he does that against Oriole pitching, and we don't have that kind of luxury when we face other teams. Good point. <laughs> Very good point. And, and not to mention from a sabermetrician standpoint, we all know that, uh, you know, sample sizes in, in certain stadiums and against certain pitchers always carries over from year to year to year. And that's why it's such a valuable stat that every blogger should be including when they're doing their articles. Oh, wait, never mind. They shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I uh, he he he. The other options you just mentioned leave me, um, um, solidly in the meh meh part of 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 our proceedings. I, I like meh. That 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 seems like it's a good summation for everything that 2017 will be uh, for the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles and uh, for life in general, basically um, moving forward. Yeah. Alan, Alan, I have yep. just two the best things. Best scenario is meh. Yeah. I have two things I want to impart upon you, okay? Um, All right. And the the first is this. Shame. I'm going to publicly shame you right now, Alan. Fair enough. I'm sure I earned it, but for for what exactly? Baltimoreans is my favorite Orioles podcast, and I run one. Uh, Oh, yeah. That thing. (laughs) I, I miss the sounds of Sam and Alan on my ear ear holes and frankly we need you now more than we've ever needed you before (laughs) so now that i have publicly shamed you uh for those of you listening please make sure that you check out bmorons.com for the complete catalog of baltimore hans (laughs) podcasts which the nickname audit from 2016 is a real gem right now so uh yeah Uh, yeah, it's getting less and less relevant as two-thirds of that team is the agency, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but you can also always follow Alan Smith at A Smith for our time. But I guess we've got a few questions for you, Alan, to kind of finalize out this uh-huh. interview. Yeah, I need to ask you something seriously here. Look, we've we've danced around the big issues. And so at this point, I need you to put on your game face. Alan Smith. All right. 
What do you call Henry Rudia when he's impersonating Buck Showalter's post-game pressers? Uh, that, I have no idea. That would be Henry, Henry Nose Flute Rudia. Uh, Alan, Very nice. Alan, I ask you this. What do you call Henry Rudia when he's wearing uh, when he's wearing high tasseled men's footwear to welcome a new teammate? High tasseled men's footwear? Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't even say it once. I can't say it twice. <sighs> I've over oh two. It's Henry Henry Wellington Boot Rudia. <laughs> 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 and. <laughs> oh no <laughs> I'm not I'm not proud of that and lastly I ask you this Alan what do you call Henry Yerudia when he is named a key member of the new Trump administration uh, part of the swamp uh, <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I'm sorry. The correct answer, what we were looking for, was Henry Golden Parachute Rudia. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, if Henry if Henry ends up in the current Trump administration, I think that's going to be the only voice of sanity <laughs> in an otherwise insane world. I welcome Henry Rudia, although I don't really know in the man's politics as anything, anything to counterbalance the goon squad, which appears to be assembling in Washington, D.C. <laughs> good luck, Henry. We need you out there. <laughs> Just not in right Bring field. <laughs> and good night. Yes. <laughs> All right, Alan Smith. Well, thanks so much for joining us on the program. We wish you best travels in this it 2017. It's a pleasure, as always, to hear your voices. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I uh, can't wait to get down to baltimore this year and watch a couple more games with y'all we will eagerly host you and uh set you up with uh, pillows and uh plenty of alcohol and we'll go from there <laughs> sounds great thank you gentlemen so uh while we were doing that, Jake made another concession. He allowed me to do this blowing the save, and I believe he's going to let me do some more blowing the saves this season if, that's a big if, I do sign a contract. Um, so we are coming up um, to spring training, but as Jake pointed out, um, there's, a, there's a little bit of time before that happens. Um, but one of the big events that's happening in, in Baltimore in the next few weeks is going to be FanFest. And I posted a, a question on our Twitter of saying, what is the reason... Um, folks go to FanFest. Um, every single year I go, I sit down and I listen to some of the questions, and I'm like, why am I here? Like, this is just double talk that you could easily hear on MLB Talk Radio. Like, what is the advantage to being here? And I think it really comes back to um, what a lot of folks mentioned, which is during the dark and dreary months, which is winter, where there is nothing going on. And trust me, folks, as you know, there's nothing going on within Birdland at this moment. Um, it gives you a chance to see some orange and black and some friendly faces. So, folks, Jake and I will both be at FanFest. We probably will not be talking to each other because, well, well, that guy, you know how he is. Um, but please, if you are coming to FanFest, let us know. 
let's get together. Um, let's go have some lunch together um, as a, a group and as Birdland in general and commiserate um, in our mediocrity, which is the Baltimore Orioles. Are you asking to go to Jimmy John's so that we can catch Dan Duquette? I am asking to go to, do, go to Jimmy John's so we can meet Dan Duquette. So let's hypothetically say Jimmy John's at noon, everybody. Sound good? Jimmy John's noon at FanFest. All right. Well, with that, Birdland and Beyond, is there anything else that you want to cover, Jake? Or no. Or you kind of just want to... I've got nothing left. And so I will bid you all a fond... I do, I do. You know one thing we didn't do for this podcast, which we always do? What's that? We didn't do a drink of the week. So. No, we got right down to brass tacks. Yeah. Um, I had a uh, Flying Dog Double Dog, and I also had a Sam Adams Boston Lager. Do uh, either of those meet your approval? Uh, the Flying Dog, yes. The Sam Adams, no. I went with a uh, Pepsi and Jack Daniels tonight. Uh, many thanks to Jake English and to the fellow FNDC boys, Uh Jason and Josh for coming over to help with the home restoration. Many times appreciated. Thank you so much. Oh, and father-in-law as well, Mark Wenderoff. Many appreciations for that as well. Pepsi and whiskey? Yes. Because you couldn't find Coca-Cola? No, couldn't find Coca-Cola. Sorry. Tried to thumb my nose up at something you drank. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.